all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me today, I have a fellow UMMC colleague. I have Dr. Elena Dent. She is a registered dietitian, and she's also a certified diabetes educator. And that's one of her roles that we're going to kind of dig into a little bit more today because it is November. And November is Diabetes Awareness Month. So I felt like we should kick off this month with a great show um, about diabetes and answering your questions about diabetes. If you have a question for us, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Or a third way to interact is to go over to my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie, and interact with me there. So good morning, Elena. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I always enjoy having you on the show. And and you've been on a couple times, and more so in your role as a registered dietitian. And I'm sure we'll get into some nutrition-related questions today. You can't really talk about diabetes without talking about about nutrition. Correct. I want to talk about the role of the certified diabetes educator and what that is, who, um, who are certified diabetes educators and what do you guys do? Yeah, great question. So, um, a certified diabetes educator is usually, um, a health professional, whether it be a registered dietitian, you can be a pharmacist, you can be a registered nurse, um, there, you have some form of, um, health background and you have spent, many hours, usually a thousand or so, um, doing one-on-one diabetes-specific education uh, with patients, and you eventually can apply and um, take an exam. So if you um, get all these hours and you take the exam and then you continue with your, um, you have so much continuing education that you're required to do, then they say, okay, you are indeed a diabetes educator. And so diabetes educators are a wonderful part and a, a great part of the healthcare team um, for those that are working with patients with diabetes, because we can spend time, um, we generally have more time to spend with patients and can really dive into all the different aspects of diabetes. So, you know, you mentioned the nutrition component, which we all know is a huge component of diabetes management, but there are also several others that we don't always think of, right? So, um, you know, a diabetes educator really has a background in understanding for all the different aspects of diabetes and the different areas of the body that it affects and can kind of help a patient navigate how to make sure they are managing and staying on top of all of those aspects of diabetes care management. 
Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it can be somebody from a variety of backgrounds. So it can be a dietitian, yes. it can be pharmacist, it can be a physician, it can be a nurse Correct. practitioner, it can be a registered nurse. But when we're operating as a diabetes educator, our role is a little bit different, right? So yes. I'm not a, not a diabetes educator. Um, if I was, when I was operating in that role, I wouldn't be operating as the nurse practitioner in that particular setting. I Correct. would be doing doing the diabetes education piece. And so um, it's, I, mean, I think having a diabetes educator on staff is just really important um, to be able, like you mentioned, to spend that extra time with people with, for, with yes. diabetes, to really drive down into the questions that they may have, right? Or yeah. why the provider asked them to check their blood sugar, you know, and what do right. those numbers mean um, in terms of, of management is really yeah. good resource to have available. So um, the initials CDE are kind of some that have been seen after people's names and that that has historically been what uh, denotes someone as a diabetes educator, but they've changed. Yep. They've changed the initials. They did. Right? <laughs> they did. And I still, I get, I get the letters mixed up. But no, so you may see it listed as a CDE or the new um, designation is a CDCES, which is a Certified Diabetes Care and Education Specialist. It's a mouthful. You know, just more, it's the same more thing. alphabets. More alphabets. That's right. There. But That's yes. right. Yes. So when I asked you to do the show, I asked you to think about kind of one thing that you think is the most misunderstood or not known aspect of diabetes. So what, what you got for me? <laughs> well, when you said just, when you said one, I thought really just one. <laughs> there are so many ways we could go with this, you know, obviously with, you know, my background in nutrition, um, you know, that is just uh, constantly get questions. And I, I sincerely do think nutrition background aside, just thinking as a certified diabetes educator, I would be willing to bet that if you asked other diabetes educators, what's one of the like number one questions or number one things they get comments or questions about that are is not really generally understood is around nutrition because there's so much misinformation about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's constantly, you know, different things coming out saying, Oh, well, you should cut out all of your carbs for this. And then another study that says, oh, no, that's not the case. You know, so there's, it's a lot to navigate. So I, I sincerely do think that that's probably the area that is the um, not hardest to understand, but there's just so many conflicting, you right. know, um, reports. <laughs> yes, I call it nutrition confusion yes. because there there are competing statements from, from multiple different areas, you know. There are when I'm working with, with folks and they'll say, well, so-and-so told me not to eat blah. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, tell me who so-and-so is. Right. And yeah. first, are they, <laughs> are they a reliable source of information? Right. And so we right. want to make sure that we're taking our nutrition um, advice from, you know, from qualified individuals, because there's always right. going to be someone somewhere who says, well, I did this and it worked for me. Right. And yes kudos I'm glad it worked for you but we've got to yeah. kind of look at what works for the majority of people when we make big statements and mm -hmm. then work with a nutrition professional to make those really individual level um, right. changes you know and as much as right. I love my role um, you know nutrition experts are 
the registered dietitians, you know, and so being able to, which I use you a ton, you know, being able to call on you and go, hey, I need some help with this patient. We've got lots of different medical conditions going on or right. medicines that may affect um, what foods we, we pull in and recommend. So I need the expert to help me, you know, build up a, a plan for this patient. So I agree the nutrition piece is one of the things that's most, uh, most often uh, misunderstood or just confused yeah. because of all yeah. the, uh, the information out there. But if I had to pick one nutrition related uh-huh. question, it would be fruit. Oh, yes. Every single patient I have says, well, I was told I couldn't have fruit because I have diabetes. And, you know, my little heart just cracks open when Uh, I hear that. Because we hear that fruit is healthy and then someone around along the lines told you, though, you can't eat fruit, it affects your blood sugar. And what I hear fairly often, too, is I thought I could not eat anything white, right? Um, That's a pretty common one. So, you know, yeah. And I hate that. It's unfortunate. Um, but, you know, hopefully you, if you're a patient along the way, you interact with someone that can help correct that. Cause uh, we are here to tell you, Josie and I are both here to tell you that fruit is a healthy food. Okay. Um, if you have diabetes or not, we still want you to eat fruit. Um, and yes, fruit does affect your blood sugar as well as many other foods, but along with, you know, with fruit, you get so many other good um, aspects of it. So, you know, we get fiber that can help with like uh, glucose levels. You get antioxidants and just vitamins and minerals. So, you know, I, I tell, I usually encourage patients to be very weary of if you ever hear or someone you come across information or someone tells you, okay, well, you have diabetes, so you can't do X. You have to completely cut out X, Y, whatever that may be, whether it be fruit or blanket, carbohydrates, whatever. And I say, just always be weary of that. Um, because unless you have a very specific medical reason why you cannot eat said food, usually like an allergy, right? right. Um, we can really, you know, work and to fit pretty much all foods into a healthy um, diet for diabetes management, right? right. Um, I, I think eating should be a very positive and fun, engaging experience and not something that we stress or dread. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, it, it really does break my heart when I see the, the emotions that get wrapped up in food and the, and the negative emotions that get wrapped up in food and people telling me, well, I cheated this day or I was bad Mm -hmm. this day, you know, all these different kinds of things. And I just, you know, we're all telehealth right now, but I just want to hop through my screen and just give them a hug and tell them you are, you are not bad because you no, you're not, you're, you're human, not, you're human, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think people think that dietitians or like myself, that we don't indulge in, in right. foods. Right. And I right. mean, I love a cookie. I mean, I really and, do yes, love a cookie. Listen, and, and Oreo is my jam. And if you see me, <laughs> you know, I, I used to cringe and now it doesn't bother me, but if I'm at the grocery store and I run into a patient or someone and they look into my cart, you know, yes, in general, it's going to have very helpful foods, but I'm not going to feel bad about having a cookie in there if that's what I want. It just is going to boil down to, okay, I have to, you know, I can't eat the whole sleeve of these cookies or I have an understanding of 
this isn't the healthiest choice, but I'm not doing it every day, right? And you're not doing it to compensate for something else, right? For Correct. stress or for depression or for any Correct. of these other kinds of things. You just enjoy a cookie every now and then, you yes. know? Um, and, and it's, each one of us has a different food. Like for me, it's Doritos. Like I, I, yeah. I love a Dorito. So I don't yeah. buy them very often because if I did, right. I would eat them. Right. Yeah. But that still doesn't make me a bad person or right. I, I don't say I cheated or anything like that. It just was the choice I made in that particular moment in time. And I move on from it. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. for joining us today. You're listening to Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And joining me today, I have Dr. Elena Dent, who is a registered dietitian as well as certified diabetes educator also at UMMC. And we are kicking off the month of November, which is National um, Diabetes Awareness Month, answering your questions about diabetes. If you have a question for us, there's a couple of ways you can interact. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Our email is fit at org, And then you can also go over to my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie, and interact with me over there. So before the break, we were talking about the number one kind of issue that we see or confusion that we see related to diabetes. And we both agreed that it's often nutrition related. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about fruit um, and how, you know, a lot of people have been led to believe they can't have fruit uh, because of the sugar content of fruit. And, you know, I think we've, we've kind of dispelled that to some degree, but I, I want to be clear that just adding fruit to your diet is not some magical miracle um, balm that is going to, um, just fix your diabetes, right? You may, depending on the serving size that you have, the type of fruit, the medicines that you're on, you may see some significant elevations in your blood sugar um, because it's more about changing the dietary pattern that we're, that we're consuming, where we're getting rid of things that are going to make our insulin resistance worse, which are a lot of fatty foods um, and not the good kind of fats, you know, the, the butters and the creams and the cheeses and that kind of thing and getting rid of the processed carbohydrates, the, you know, Mm -hmm. on the regular, right. We've already talked about, we, you know, we have a cookie every now and then and that's fine, but you know, Mm -hmm. on a, on a daily pattern. But so if we're working on changing our dietary pattern and we want to add in some fruit, what's a good way to, to do that? Okay. So I think this is a great question and it's, 
usually going to boil down to, and you know, we like to work with individuals and their individual preference, right? Right. In an ideal situation. Um, but kind of for a blanket statement is I encourage people, you know, first of all, ask yourself, do you normally eat any fruit? If you're avoiding fruit because you have diabetes, okay, let's start there and then think, okay, what fruits do I like? Okay. Um, and so if you like, oh, well, I like watermelon, but I was told I couldn't have watermelon, which that seems to be a fairly common, it is, right? It is. That one in bananas. Um, <laughs> that one in bananas. Yes. And y'all, I mean, I've said it a hundred times. I'm going to say it a hundred more. If you see an ad on Facebook that says bananas are fattening, I mean, that should be a red, red flag. <laughs> that is not true. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I said, okay, watermelon is perfectly fine. But like you said, it's the, those patterns. We just can't sit down and eat half the watermelon. Right. Right. A banana is totally fine as long as we're within appropriate portions. So if you start eating five bananas a day, okay, yes, that's going to be an issue, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to see those blood sugar numbers go up. But let's say, you know, you normally have in the morning um, cereal and you think, okay, maybe I should add some fruit because of all those other good nutrients we get from it. Slice up a banana and put it on top of your cereal. That's a great way. Or if for a snack, you usually catch yourself grabbing something out of the vending machine that's packaged, okay? Um, I would encourage you, Try to go, just, if you're going to get something out of there, get the nuts, okay? That's mm-hmm. going to be one of your better options. But also pair that with a piece of fruit. So if you want to have an apple with that or, you know, citrus right now, um, you know, have a, a little mandarin orange with it, I think that's totally appropriate. So it's really going to boil down to, okay, we're telling you that fruit is healthy and that you can have fruit even with diabetes. That does not mean that you should run with it and have 10 servings a day. Okay. Right. right, (laughs) And, you know, um, one thing that will probably will come up is, okay, it's getting cooler outside, you know, what's in season. Um, there aren't going to be as many things in season, right? So what about, uh, canned fruits? Um, and those can be, you know, those are easy. You can, that can be an easy thing to grab and take with you for, with your lunch or snack or for your kids lunch or whatever, but be careful. You do not want them to be packed in any kind of syrup. I don't care if it says light syrup, syrup means sugar. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want it to be packed in its own juice or water. Yeah. And one, one thing I've recently seen is it uh, being packed in coconut water, um, which is a marketing thing. And guess what, y'all? Most coconut water has sugar added to it. So yes. <laughs> don't fall for that trap. Yeah. You know, and I usually tell people, you know, buy what you can afford, right? Yes. And then drain it you know so yep. if the only thing your you know convenience store or you know dollar general or wherever you you know you have access mm-hmm. if all they have is you know light syrup or, or whatever drain it and give it a little rinse too you yep. know and just pull that stuff off but don't just dump all of that into your you know whatever you're eating because it is added sugar um yes. you know and so we got to think about and and the newer food labels, which some, some companies have switched over, some are not quite there yet, mm-hmm. do have a little added line on the products that say, um, you know, kind of total sugars, and then they have added sugars, you know, and right. added is going to be something that was added, you know, it's because some yep. foods are going to have natural sugars in them, fruit's going to have right. natural sugar in it, dairy is going to have a, you know, the dairy sugar yep. in it. Um, so, you know, I had, um, somebody ask me, uh, on Friday when they were picking a yogurt, you know, how much sugar should they look for on, on the label of that? And I said, well, you know, there's always going to be some sugars in that because it came from 
dairy. And so it's going to have, you know, the dairy sugar in there, the naturally occurring lactose mm-hmm. in there. But you don't want to have anything added in there. Right. So, you know, looking for kind of buzzwords that would tell you there's something added uh, in there, like cane sugar or um, right. sucrose. And so usually the the best way to do that is to stick with one that's not messed with, right? You know, like a plain yes. unflavored yogurt, yes. which of course tastes like um, uh, sour cream. So a lot of people, yes. <laughs> a lot of yes. people don't go for that. Right. One. But, you know, and I'm so glad you brought this up because yogurt is one of those things that we associate with it being, you know, generally healthy food. But when it does have all those added sugars and added stuff to it, it completely takes all a lot of the health benefits away. So I encourage people, yes, let's get a, a plain, you know, version of that. And then you control what you add to it. So that's a great place to add. If you have some of that, you put half of your banana on your cereal that morning, and now you want to snack with the other half of the banana and mash it up in your yogurt to help sweeten it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, add add berries, add nuts, uh, you know, it's, think of the plain yogurt as really a vehicle for some of the other good stuff you're going to get. So. Right. Absolutely. And if I pick a yogurt that's flavored, I don't go above a vanilla, right? Like that's, that's the yeah. kind of the least messed with I get with when I start seeing right. like, um, Boston cream pie. I'm like, what yeah. did you put in right. that? To make it taste like Boston cream pie. It can't possibly be, be good for us. You know, right. and So uh, even some of the fruit ones, you know, it's more fruit puree and that has added Mm -hmm. sugar in it and everything. So I kind of just stick with either a plain or a vanilla and then jazz it up myself, add my own fruit, because then you can control the amount of sugar that is being added to things. And you mentioned banana, which is a great kind of natural sweetener um, for Mm -hmm. things. Um, Dates also work really well, kind of mashed up or cut up in things to give little nuggets of sweetness. Um, and you know, you mentioned canned fruit and especially as things are kind of not going to be in season for us, moving frozen fruit is also another really good option. And they got frozen fruit Mm -hmm. at the dollar store. So, you know, you can grab a couple of those and keep them stocked up in your, um, in your freezer. Like I always have frozen berries and, you know, berries are one of those things that I find doesn't bother people's sugar quite as much either. You know, it's a little Mm -hmm. lower on kind of the, the glycemic index and the glycemic load. So it tends not to, to run sugar up quite as high as some of the mm-hmm. um, more easily digestible um, fruits there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, leaving the peel on fruits also helps yes. with some of that as well. So, you know, if you're yes. normally, uh, uh, you know, peel your fruit now, peel your banana. Don't eat the banana. Right? <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't eat the banana peel. Don't eat that banana peel or um, an orange peel. That doesn't taste, sound right. like it would be delicious. Right. But um, you know, your apples go ahead and, you know, wash them really well, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And you can, you can eat the the peel on that. Um, and then things like grapes, you know, surely you're not peeling your grapes, but maybe, maybe you are, but Some don't go do. ahead and go ahead and eat that, that skin on there as well. Yeah. Cause that's just going to add more fiber, right. And right. fiber is going to slow that spike in blood sugar and keep, um, you know, really keep things a little bit more even um and so that you're not having a lot of spikes and valleys and all this kind of stuff that can make you feel bad and you mentioned pairing it with nuts you know i think that's always a good idea as well some kind of protein um with your with your fruit to kind of help that as well whether it be um, nuts or it could be that yogurt dipping uh your fruit in yogurt i feel like that works Mm -hmm. well for kids as well kids love to um dip 
things. I don't know what it is about the the dippage um, of things, but um, you know, we made uh, a dip in our teaching kitchen that was just um, yogurt and peanut butter mixed together. And it made a really yummy dip that you could dip your fruit in and those kinds of things um, for, you know, a little bit more of a a sweet treat, so to speak, in terms uh, of that. Um, Or um, even kind of freezing that yogurt and, and breaking it up. So those are all kind of good ways to get that in there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes that was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Josie Bidwell here joining me today. I almost said in the studio, but we're not in the studio. We are socially distanced, uh, but I have uh, Dr. Elena Dent with me. She is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator, and we are talking about diabetes as it is National Diabetes Awareness Month. And, you know, this question that came in through Facebook, it it really hits my heart because I I hear it a lot. um, I see it a lot, as well as, you know, we've got this Awareness Month for diabetes, but diabetes doesn't kind of strike fear in the hearts of people when you hear the word diabetes, because people know so many people with diabetes, right? Mm -hmm. And so we kind of think it's just one of those inevitabilities for for a lot of us. And that's what this question is getting at that came in through Facebook. Um, It says, I hear a lot of, I'm going to get it anyway. What's your advice in these instances? And, you know, I think that that probably stems from family history. You know, a lot of people have some, a family member with diabetes, and then also just being in the South where we have a lot of diabetes, it's kind of just one of those, well, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get it. So, yep. you know, why, why worry about it? So what do we say right. when, when we hear okay. that? So when I hear that, I say, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to feel empowered um, and in control of your health and your, you know, kind of as cheesy as it sounds like your health destiny, right? If you, right. you think I'm going to get it anyway, um, like you mentioned family history, you know, I, I, let's think about what are the reasons you feel like you are going to get it anyway? Is it because you do have a family um, history of it or you have carry other risk factors? Are you 45 years of age or older? Do you have a first degree relative that has diabetes? Um, you know, do you have high, high blood pressure? Do you have cardiovascular disease? Are you physically inactive? Right. Or is it just because you feel like you eat trash? Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, are, are you overweight? You feel like you eat trash, et cetera. 
um, or have you been told that you have prediabetes, right? I mean, these are all important things um, to know when we say, well, I'm just going to get anyway. Well, why? Why is that, right? Um, and I think it's important for people to remember that, you know, yes, we're so used, to, we all know, I mean, we can count on two hands how many people we know, friends and family members or, you know, whatever coworkers that have diabetes. Um, but that doesn't mean it's like, okay, well, why don't, it's not a big deal. You know, diabetes really is a big deal because it affects every single part of your body and every aspect of your life. With that being said, it's not a death sentence. It doesn't have to be. Um, and if you were on the side of, well, I'm going to get it anyway, that means you don't, you probably don't have it yet. Right. So that's exciting for me because that means we can do so many things to um, prevent that being your fate. Right. And really empower you to take charge. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes what I will do is when I'm working with someone that that may have been referred into me and they're not quite sure why they were sent to see me as I will pull up um, kind of a, a graphic, uh, like a picture of their family history. It's called a genogram. And, you know, our software will, will turn your family history into these pictures and whatnot and just kind of show them kind of a, a high level overview of what is going on in terms of their family history. Right. And I do that not to, scare anyone, any of those kinds of things, but to show what you have a predisposition for, meaning you are at increased risk. Does not mean you're going to get it, but it does mean that we've got to work at the things that could make you get it, right? So if mama and daddy and grandmama and granddaddy and brother and sister all have diabetes, yeah, you've, I mean, you've got a strong family history of diabetes. And, and I think it's important we talk about type two right now that that, yeah. you know, that's, you know, type one is, is a little less modifiable in terms of, of your risk for that. Um, but with type two, um, you know, we now is a perfect opportunity if you don't have diabetes to really dig in and start to make some changes. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing um, situation, right. you know, just little changes. And I think a lot of times people get discouraged because they think that it has to be this complete overhaul of things and um, that you have to, you're either out there running five K's or you're physically inactive. Right. Um, Right. Or you're getting your 30 minutes a day or, or you're not. And it doesn't have to be that way. Just any activity, right. Is a, is a good place to start. And you have five minutes of walking. If that is all you can do. And even if you have to stop two or three times while you're doing it, Mm-hmm. It, you're still helping to to lower your risk of developing diabetes or heart disease because they all go together, right? The things right. that that contribute to diabetes also contribute to heart disease and these other yes. different types of things there. So it's not an, an inevitability. And if you're pre-diabetic, you know, if you've been told, or my favorite, they told me I was a little bit diabetic. Yeah, or, I had a little, little sugar. A little sugar, <laughs> like being a little bit yeah. pregnant. You either you are you are or you aren't. Um, uh, kind of an older term was kind of borderline diabe- diabetic, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. But with prediabetes, we're really talking about um, you know an elevated blood sugar above what is considered normal, but not mm-hmm. high enough to be considered actual diabetes. Um, so that's right. usually between like about a, like 101 to 125 on that mm-hmm. fasting sugar. Um, or an A1C, which is that three-month average of mm-hmm. um, blood sugars being 5.7 to 6.4. Um, 
um, you yep. know, kind of falling in those ranges uh, gives you that, that pre-diabetic notion. And when I see someone diagnosed with pre-diabetes, it, I see it as an absolutely wonderful opportunity. Like it energy, I'm like, we can, we can fix this. Yeah. Like we can, we yeah. can turn this train around, but if yep. we don't make any changes, then the likelihood of developing type two diabetes in the next, you know, few years is pretty high. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just starting to work on turning those things around and you, know, you can Google like pre-diabetes questionnaire and yes. pull up and it's like what, seven or eight questions, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think there's one through the CDC and then diabetes.org has a good one that'll help calculate your risk and tell you immediately. And it's like you said, just a few questions. Yeah. And so that's a, a good thing to just do on your own and then take the results to your healthcare provider and be like, Hey, look, I did this online screening tool. It says I'm at risk for developing diabetes. What's my mm-hmm. blood sugar, you know, and really right. learn what your sugar is and what your risk right. is in terms of that. So, uh, to the person who submitted that question, I hope that that answered your question a little bit and that, mm-hmm. you know, your genes are not, not inevitable. Um, you know, family right. history does not mean that that's the same road that, that you will go down. Um, right. and we just got to start, you know, just start working on it. Yeah. And I did want to add to that, you, you know, sometimes when, like you said, it's not all or nothing, you know, we often hear with diabetes, particularly with type two, you know, you often hear, you know, just lose weight, lose weight. And many patients come in thinking that they've got to lose a hundred pounds. Yeah. Right. And so let's say you're 200 pounds and you feel like, Oh, well, I'm going to have to get down to 150 or whatever. Really the evidence supports that if you can lose five between five and 10% of your body weight. So that would, you know, for a 200 pound person, if you can lose 10 to 15 pounds, that can have a huge impact. And I think sometimes that can help it not feel so overwhelming if we think, I know I need to lose some weight, but it's just so daunting, right? Because I feel yeah. like I have so far to go. And, you know, I think that's a good time to also mention the rate of weight loss, because yes. what I see um, with folks is disappointment when oh, yeah, it's they, been a month and they've only lost, you know, right. three or four pounds. They're like, right. Which to us, we're like, yay, that's amazing. Right? I, do a, but they, I do a happy dance. Like I get up yes. out of my chair and do well, a happy I mean, dance. It is because we see the biggest loser or we watch a show or see something where it came off so fast. First of all, y'all, it's not realistic. It's not healthy. Um, And reckon I always encourage people, let's work on having, you know, our expectations and realistic goal setting. Right. Um, Because it's most of us did not put on the extra weight overnight. And so we have to be realistic. It's not going to come off overnight and it's, we don't want it to, it's not, um, it's kind of, really slow and steady really does lose um you know really wins the race um and so a a weight loss of one to two pounds per week is appropriate and is what we are aiming for so i understand that can be very frustrating for patients but it's something i think that can be very um empowering encouraging if you understand that from the Mm get-go right and even if you have a week where you don't lose weight, but you maintain what you've lost, yes. again, that is also a high five moment, you know? Right. Um, and that's so. another one of those things that I like to use, like a picture. I'll oftentimes mm-hmm. kind of show folks their, their weight trend for the past couple of years, where they kind of see the number kind of steadily creeping up a little bit. And yep. then it just kind of levels off. So even if we're not losing weight yet, if we're just kind of have stopped the gain and are, are oh, just yeah. maintaining, that's the first step. 
know, and then right. the the weight loss that is slow and appropriate is going going to come along there. Um, right. On that. Oh, just had a question that came in that said, I just got diagnosed with diabetes and I got my new meter. What do I do with the needles, with the, with the oh, lamp? Yay. I was hoping we get this question. Yes. Okay. So, so what, what, what do we do with those used needles okay. that we poke our finger with? This is a great, so if you, if you're you, a needle that you poke your finger with, or let's say you are someone that takes insulin and you're doing any kind of injectable. Okay. Um, First of all, use a new needle every single time. So when you're checking your blood sugars, use a new needle every every single time. Do not reuse those needles. Um, and they can become dull. And every time you prick yourself, there's a risk for an infection, right? But when we get uh, ready to dispose of those, um, it is very important that you dispose of those properly. So I want you to find a very thick plastic container, like a laundry detergent, a plastic laundry detergent bottle, a bleach bottle, um, not a, not a soda or milk jug. Those are not, okay. But you want a really heavy duty plastic bottle that you label as sharps. <laughs> That's what in the medical world, we call them sharps, any kind of needle. And you can just fill that up. It's going to take you a long time. And then once that is uh, receptacle is full, um, get some tape, like a uh, duct tape and, you know, tape it over and make sure it does say, um, sharps and do not recycle. And then there are um, there's there are programs throughout the state at different pharmacies and hospitals that will take your sharps. And so you can find that um, if you um, you can either Google sharps disposal in Mississippi or it's the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality, um, their waste disposal program. There is a list of um, county, all you know, all the counties in Mississippi and the different pharmacies and hospitals where they have. Uh, those programs where you can drop off those used needles. Please do not throw those in the trash, okay? Even, I mean, that can stick the garbage person. It can stick, you know, anybody that picks up the trash to take it out for you. So please, 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 great question. Um, great question. But yeah, um, so check that website out. Um, and, at, you know, at the very minimum, very minimum, put them in uh, those, you know, uh, laundry detergent or Clorox uh, bottles. Okay. Yes. So absolutely. Something something really thick. And you can buy um a sharps container at the pharmacy as well if you yeah. want to go that route there a couple yes. bucks. Um but I echo, don't throw it in the regular garbage can because trash right. gets squished yes. um, when it gets put in the garbage truck and those can poke through the sides yeah. of it and then poke somebody mm -hmm. else. So it's and then another to... another thing too is you know, if you think about places, ask yourself where you normally, where am I when I normally check my blood sugar or when I normally take that injectable, make it convenient and keep one of those containers in that place. Yeah. Now, if you do this in your car, if you, you know, that's, if you check it in your car before you go into work or wherever, please do not put those needles in your glove compartment. Okay. Oh, gosh, and I say no. this because I have known someone that did this. They had a wreck. And what do you think happens to all those needles? They go everywhere oh, they and it's dangerous everywhere. for every, everybody. So, but yeah, I say keep, keep on those containers wherever it is. If you check your blood sugar in four different places, let's find you four different <laughs> containers to make it easy. Right. A great question. Absolutely. It was great a perfect question. question. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. 
For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And we're talking diabetes today. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, joined today by Dr. Elena Dent, also at UMMC. And we have been answering some great questions about diabetes. And so now I have a question of my own, Elena, um, mm-hmm. because I see it so much in clinical practice. The relationship between stress and diabetes tell me it's like I think they're related are they related I'm gonna go out and say I think you're correct on that yes they are (laughs) definitely related and this refers to not only bad stress but also good stress right um and I think you know just first and foremost except understanding that yes if I'm stressed and I may not even realize it that stress is going on in my life I could be doing all the things my you know healthcare provider told me to do to manage my diabetes but for some reason my blood sugars are still up, I need to ask myself, wait, what are my stress levels? Am I stressed more than usual? And how am I managing that? Um, Like I said, it also goes for good stress, you know, planning a wedding or whatever it is, right? Um, But I would say in 2020, just in the stress of 2020 in general, uh, no way, right? Um, Definitely could be impacting our, our blood sugar. And that's something we don't always think about. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, you know, we're lucky enough in lifestyle medicine that we screen everybody for, right. you know, depression, anxiety, stress, and those kinds of things. And so we're able to to pick up on those and hopefully get people connected to, you know, either self-management strategies for dealing with stress, which we've talked mm-hmm. about on the show before, you know, progressive muscle relaxation, abdominal deep breathing, those kinds of things, or, um, you know, perhaps medication uh, management if needed, which is not um, a sign of weakness if you need to take some medication to help with your, uh, you know, your anxiety and those kinds of things, or some more formal um, kind of behavioral therapy and, and counseling and being able right. to talk through some of these things. Because I right. see it as kind of twofold, right? You've got the, the, the active stress that increases stress hormones, you know, like right. cortisol and those kinds of things, which is going to run your blood sugar up. And then the not great coping strategies that people yes. use when they're stressed, like eating, right. the, like eating yeah. all, all the things that right. they don't need. Right. right. Um, and so um, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword there with, yes. with the stress. Yes. And I think it's so important because I think stress management is something that sometimes we just kind of put on the kind of back burner. Cause we think, well, I really want folks that, you know, I've got to take my medication. I've got to do this and that, which those are all important things. But I, I will forever always say, if you don't manage your stress, you're really going to have a hard time managing your blood sugar. Um, and so with diabetes, we know that lots of um, 
complications can come along with that and chronic complications such as we've already mentioned heart disease, high blood pressure, um, you know, nerve damage. So neuropathy, losing some um, feeling in our, um, you know, extremities, uh, all those things are very common. And even um, if you feel like, okay, you know, I, I don't feel that stress, but knowing that these are um, possibilities, it never hurts, you know, to talk to someone about that because say you do have diabetes and you have high blood pressure and, you know, um, heart disease or a couple of other things that go along with it, you know, vision, for example, you know, vision is a, a huge part of um, diabetes. Some people getting blurry vision is what is one of their indicators that their blood sugar is high or that, you know, their diabetes is not managed well, you know, consider talking to uh, their health psychologists that are trained specifically to work with people that have chronic health conditions and can um, really help you navigate the, you know, our feelings and attitudes and how our, our coping mechanisms for those, um, I think are extremely important. And, you know, another thing that a lot of people don't like to talk about, but I think it is important because um, it's kind of one of those that's a little uncomfortable, but <laughs> diabetes can affect your sex life. Yes. And for some people, this is really hard to talk about, but it's very important because, you know, for men, erectile dysfunction can be um, a very common kind of just side effect. And that can, you know, be from, there's so many things that can contribute to that, but high blood sugars and nerve damage can be part of that. It can be from unmanaged or uncontrolled high blood pressure. Um, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't know many men that are willing to just, you know, the first time that happens, let me go ahead and tell my doctor about it. Right. You know, it's very understandable. It's a touchy subject, but I, you know, I just want people to understand that that is, you are not alone. And that is common and it is definitely an important part of your overall health. Um, and it's an important thing to talk about whether, you know, with your physician, but also if you, you know, from a stress management standpoint and talking with someone like a health psychologist about um, how to manage that and that um, be a more positive part of your, your life. I, I do think that's important. I, I fully agree. And it's one of those things that a lot of people don't offer up, but can contribute to stress as well put strain yeah. on your relationship and those kinds of things so don't be afraid to talk to your healthcare provider about that there's literally nothing you can say that we haven't already <laughs> no not a promise so but we can't help you through it if you don't tell us right. about and it and also there are no dumb questions okay trust me I feel like my number used to be what was for a, a hospital that used to work at it used to be there was a flyer that said have question about diabetes call this number and y'all I got any question you could ever imagine from you know Miss Dent the um my the wind was blowing really hard do you think that's why my sugar is high you know so there's really no silly question and y'all just so you know how you know, wind is not going to make it. Blood it's sugar not, it's not, but we can but help you figure out why it is. We, you know. Correct. So, um, you know, please don't be afraid to ask questions because you should be, you are in control of your health journey, right? You should be empowered and to know your numbers, know your A1C, that average blood sugar. And you also want to make sure, know your, you know, your lipid levels, your cholesterol every year, at least you should have that. And, you know, we know diabetes affects your kidneys. Your kidneys should be checked every year at least. Um, yes. You know, when you see that little thing on your lab work, this is GFR, that's your glomerular filtration rate. Again, know those numbers. And if you don't understand what it means, ask. Do not be afraid to ask. I know in healthcare we can be busy and, um, you know, may not always seem like we are, you know, have the time to ask us. That is why we're here. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.